You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic nerds. Are you news. singing along? You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. <laughs> if you call that singing. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 82 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast. We are coming to you Con- on June cast? 13th. I'm not letting that go. Very- I'm not letting that go. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that you'd Podcast. <laughs> on this special fishing edition, we talk about bass. <laughs> all bass, all the time, and rigs. Bring your worms. Don't forget to so pack that's a lunch. Roger. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to loop that like five times just so that we completely clear that's what you said. Codcast? 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 <laughs> now, before we get into our interesting discussion for today, uh, we're actually going to have a little bit of news to cover that over the past uh, several days, DC has come out with some new announcements as they uh, do every few months. The first of which is in September, instead of the 13th issues of all the new 52, instead we're getting issue zeros for everything, which is going to go back and explain hopefully why most of this stuff doesn't make any sense. You know what it is? It's in September, they're hoping to make a lot more sales by offering issues number zero instead of what they actually should be. Now, the, the issue zeros are, you know, backstories and origins and whatnot, which is going to be interesting because you have stuff like Batman and Green Lantern, which hasn't changed continuity since the relaunch, or stuff like Action Comics and Justice League, which were origins to begin with. I'm sorry, but this is... <laughs> I, what, what happened at DC? I mean, it wasn't the best managing before, but something happened where they were placed an editor with one of those wheels with a whole bunch of different options and a pie chart kind of thing. And then they just no whammy, it. No whammy. Stop. <laughs> what are we going to have this month? And that's how they're making a lot of their decisions because honestly, you're looking at some of the stuff and it's just, it's just stupid. I'm sorry. It's just stupid. Not disagreeing. <laughs> yeah. But also in September, we're getting the third wave now of the New 52 with four new series launching. Uh, first is Sword and Sorcery, which this is an interesting one. And I kind of have to give DC a little bit of a thumbs up for this because they're bringing back a young adult fantasy series uh, starring a female character called Amethyst. So that right there in concept, I like that this is a title they're introducing to the New 52. Uh, it's written by Christy Marks, best known actually as the creator of Gem and the Holograms, with art by Aaron Lepresti. And they're giving it the anthology treatment, uh, pairing it up with Beowulf by Tony Bedard and Jesus Says. Uh, any interest there? I'll have to see it. Yeah. In- initially, my initial thought was, uh, it-, it was a very literal groan because I... I it doesn't does not interest me right from the get go, but I'll give it a read and see what I think of after. Oh, you better bet we're gonna be reading it. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next we have Phantom Stranger by Dan DiDio and Brent Anderson. And I'm sorry, I I've always said you know your comic goes off the rails when Phantom Stranger shows up. So having an entire comic that's Phantom Stranger. I'm not interested. <laughs> again, we're back to what we've been saying over and over again now. Let's dip back into the used well of everything that's come before and pick something and bring it back. No, I'm not interested at all. Speaking of the used well, 
We have Team 7 by Justin Jordan and Jesus Marino. Team 7 is another one of those uh, five-year previous flashbacks like we've seen in Justice League, uh, which teams up Dinah Lance, better known as Black Canary, uh, presumably before she gains her powers, Amanda Waller, who we've seen from Suicide Squad, Steve Trevor, who we've seen in Justice League, John Lynch, who I have no idea who he is, but Google tells me he was involved with Wildcats and Gen 13 back in the Wildstorm universe, so okay, uh, which actually pairs him up with Alex Fairchild, who was part of the Gen 13 team previously, and we've seen her in Superboy and uh, Ravagers now. Cole Cash, better known as Grifter, and Slade Wilson, better known as Deathstroke. I'm not that interested, okay, nope. but... Nope. Nope, not at all. Not <laughs> like, at let's all. just take seven characters who we don't have to come up with anything new and shove them together. Well, let's just take seven characters that are in failing series right now, put them together, because that's going to be a winning comic at that point. Because it's not about bringing the best, the ones that are doing well together. No, let's take the worst and put them all together. It's bound <laughs> However, to sell. Come on. There is one that does legitimately interest me, and that is coming out of Night of Owls, which we're seeing over in Batman and the associated titles, is going to be a Talon series, co-written by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV, with art by Gillam March. And as long as Gillam March remembers which parts of the body connect together properly, that could be an entertaining one. That's the only one that I looked at and thought, dude, okay, there you go. Now you're running with something that actually has potential based on a storyline that people are actually interested in. I mean, mm -hmm. it's 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 unfortunate that, and I love Batman, but reading this, they were saying the Batman titles are a full quarter of all the titles that DC has right now. That's a little excessive, people. I mean, serious, let's be, let's be honest, that's way too much. Yeah, I'm not going to argue there. Still, at least this is one that I am justifiably very interested in. Speaking of Gillum March, to uh, derail a little bit, have you seen the cover to Catwoman number zero? Oh, dude, that was... Oh, okay. Seriously, people, <laughs> there's a certain way that women can bend and a certain way that they cannot. In fact, many ways they cannot. But you look at that and it's, it's gratuitous stupidity that puts a woman in a pose that is actually not even possible. Come on. Oh, my God. I have no issue with them wanting to do a sexy pose for Catwoman as long as it's not, you know, over the top and stupid like we've seen from her previous. You know, the costuming here is fairly standard for Catwoman, but I, the the contortions they put her body through just to make it, I don't want to even, even want to say like more seductive or anything because it's just like, it looks like something out of a horror movie. <laughs> it's just not right. It's just, it, oh my God, it's just absolutely... All right. I'm so we're, tired we're of saying <laughs> something stupid when it comes to DC Comics, but when you got nothing else to fall back on, oh my god. All right. Well, with the four new series launching, of course, uh, that means four new four other series are going to get the axe. Uh, for a while now, we've known that Justice League International is going to mercifully end after the twelfth issue, and we're also now know that Resurrection Man, Captain Adam, and Voodoo are going away, and I'm not going to miss any of those. No love lost. All right, so that's some DC stuff. And for the rest of the episode, we are talking about Marvel. And uh, what was it? About six weeks ago, we did that Secret Wars retro episode talking about, oh, it was this huge crossover, and you know, it was really entertaining. And I had actually planned to do a uh, another retro episode focusing on a uh, DC crossover, which we're going to come back to. But then the Avengers happened, and small spoiler for 
the four people other than Roger who haven't seen the movie yet. Uh, at the end uh, of the movie, after the credits, it's revealed that the mastermind behind the whole plot and everything is none other is none other than Thanos, who is you know one of the big bads in the history of the Marvel universe. So of course. There's one series everybody thinks about when it comes to Thanos, and that's Infinity Gauntlet from 1991, written by Jim Starlin, uh, with art by George Perez up through three and a half issues, but then uh, his schedule got a bit too much for him, so Ron Lim uh, did the art for the rest of the series from there. And I read this, oh God, 15, 16 years ago. It was a lo- it's been a long time 91. since I read this well, yeah. I didn't read it in 91. Oh, okay. I read it a little right. after that. Okay. So, like, I remember at the time, I was like, oh, man, all these great heroes that I know and this huge story with Thanos killing everyone. I remember it being pretty awesome because what the heck did I know? I was a stupid teenager. So, wanted to see if it held up. <laughs> did it, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now... <laughs> I didn't read this back in the day because it came out after I'd long stopped reading comic books. So it did come out, it started in July of 91. I mean, by then I was 20, I'd long stopped reading comic books. So when I was trying to think of this in the same way as with the Secret Wars that we did, because because I'd read the Secret Wars way back in the day, there was still that little bit of nostalgia when you're you're thinking about it and reading it. But I still tried to be very objective in how I thought if it holds up or not. This, I don't even have that nostalgia to fall back on. So this was just reading it and groaning repeatedly. Repeatedly. I understand again that this is how comics were back then. I understand that. And some of it hasn't changed because you're still seeing crap like this. <laughs> I censored myself. Um... In, in titles, but wow, it was, oh man, it, it doesn't hold up, okay, it just does not hold up on so many fronts, it's unbelievable, the, the entire concept of a gauntlet, like Michael Jackson's glove, <laughs> being all-powerful, is ludicrous and then when you're bringing in all of these given given the subject oh. matter i think that's the the least ludicrous like oh, the, no, the gauntlet it's... itself is not an issue here for me oh it is for me it is that this this one item because that's what the, it's it's named the infinity gauntlet yes there's a lot more going on here and you got tons of problems throughout and you got stupidity where apparently everybody talks about themselves in the third person and it's just this this again this 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 item this infinity gauntlet is what makes someone a god. Not just like godlike. No, 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 no. They can take on every body, every being, which they all have, for the most part, humanoid bodies and faces and everything. All they all do. Come on, why not? And um, but this one thing, this this glove, this gauntlet with fancy crystals on it, this is what makes you a god, which can be easily swiped off your hand by a freaking zombie. You got to watch out for those zombies; <laughs> man, they'll get you every time. It, it, as a base premise, was stupid. Thanos was annoying from the get-go, and it only got worse. The entirety of how he's fooled and everything. Ludicrous! The whole thing with freaking uh, what's his face? Oh, uh, Adam Warlock! Oh dear Lord! If, if if somebody can get any more annoying, and trying to be oh so mystical and everything, and I can't tell you all my plans and this and oh shut the hell up! Seriously, it, it was 
it was it was stupid from the from the very beginning at dude and i read the side little things that were in the silver surfer and i even oh, read i didn't <laughs> i read the quasar number 26 tie-in oh oh if if one of these was painful it was that one that one was so unbelievably painful i i, I can't even begin to to express it do i get to talk now or are we done you asked you asked what i thought <laughs> i'm telling you all right. Well, to bring it back and explain to our listeners exactly what the heck all that rant was about, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet has a main villain in Thanos who, is, like I said, is one of the more powerful beings in the Marvel Universe, along with his advisor, Mephisto, who that was completely unnecessary for the purpose of this comic. Anyway, Thanos is brought back from the dead because... In the Marvel Universe, death itself is uh, personified as a woman, and Thanos loves death, li literally. So he wants to please her, and he comes with this plan to collect the six Infinity Gems. Each gem gives you full mastery over either soul, mind, power, time, reality, or space. And once you bring all six of them together using the Infinity Gauntlet, as You're Roger mentioned, you are a god and have full control over pretty much everything. Although one wonders, do you really need control over time and space if you already have control of reality? Really? You're looking we're for not, logic? We're not, that we're was not getting, okay, it, we're not getting yeah, into that. that. Anyway, uh, he comes back and pretty much with a snap of his fingers kills half the population of the entire universe to try and make death happy. And... Uh, Thanos is like the ultimate emo character in the history of Marvel. She still won't love me! <laughs> because yeah, death oh. shuns him, and he's freaking out, throwing temper tantrums. So we have an assembly of heroes that are going up against him. Uh, the Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, etc., etc. Spider-Man, Hulk, and God, those 90s costumes. I forgot how bad some of those were. <laughs> Hulk wearing his brown leotard thing uh dr strange namor cyclops wolverine nova you know your comic is going off the rails when cloak is part of your team as well as a, uh, as an assembly of the cosmic characters in silver surfer quasar adam warlock drax the destroyer fire lord and just because dr doom and i remember at the beginning when doom decided to join up like i thought it was cool like oh he feels that the universe is his and he wants he's gonna fight against thanos for it i'm like okay that's a cool doom bit but honestly top to bottom with the exception of warlock none of those heroes really matter for the entire story they're just there when he goes and talks to the incredible hulk and wolverine it's like <laughs> If 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 things hit the fan and you know what I'm talking about, I'm relying on you guys because you two are the only two that can do what needs to be done. Yes, the one with the freaking claws is the one that's going to be able to take down a god. Yes, that's of course. Of course, Wolvie's got it in the bag. And you know Thanos is ludicrously powerful because halfway through the story, they introduce, you know, all the universal aspects, you know, Galactus and the Celestials and the Watcher and the, you know, the the embodiment of eternity and, you know, all these ass, yeah, just huge things that Marvel's pulled out of their butts over the years to try and make a story look even bigger than it actually was. Go up against Thanos and he destroys them all. And this this is the issue where I was like, okay, yeah, this is completely worthless because you have these super powerful beings and they can't draw what's going on in the comic because it's beyond our comprehension. So it's just like eight pages of random explosions oh, with narration from the watcher. And I'm like, oh, are you serious? This is this is something <laughs> 
Uh, I remember this being so much cooler than it is now. <laughs> well, the thing, too, with the... And I'm trying to find whether or not it was only in uh, the Silver Surfer tie-ins. Yes, it was in the Silver Surfer tie-ins. You'd read the Silver Surfer tie-ins, and there was this entire little bit that happened that wasn't even in the actual series because it was like a freaking dream sequence that he was woken up from. And you're like... <laughs> Hold on, this was like a couple of issues worth of stuff happened here, and now you're telling me that this did not happen, or that it was just a what the hell's going on? It was like, oh, it was like Dynasty. Oh, he's not really dead. It was home just a freaking dream. Come on. See, I remember from when I was younger liking a lot of these characters. You know, Silver Surfer. Uh, I read a lot of X Men. You know, when I was younger, but as that started branching out into New Mutants and X Factor and all the other books, I kind of lost interest in it because I can only buy so many comics. Uh, once Walt Simonson left Thor, you know, I wasn't that into that. So I started reading a lot of the more cosmic titles. So I read Silver Surfer. I read Captain Marvel. Like, I was into these characters back then. I, I have to wonder if the comics were as bad as this in retrospect. <laughs> yeah, this was Silver Surfer number 55 and 56, where he gets captured by uh, Thanos told that he's going to write the freaking Thanos Bible. He's got a freaking collar on him and stuff like that. And then it, it, it all like, okay, it didn't happen. <laughs> Two episodes of this didn't really happen. We're not episodes issues. Like, oh, huh, huh, like <laughs> way to drag out <laughs> an event just for the, just to, to, to drag it out. Two completely worthless issues that have no bearing on what's going on because it, it didn't happen. Yeah, oh. I, I didn't actually read any of the tie-ins. For, for the purposes of this episode, I just read the six issues. And that was more than enough. Because I mean, Comparing this specifically to Secret Wars, which came out, what was it, like 86, I think, somewhere around there? It was in the 80s, yeah, sometime. Yeah, mid-80s. So I mean, not a huge amount of time in between. You know, that Secret Wars was Marvel's huge thing from the 80s. This was really Marvel's huge thing, at least from the early 90s. We don't speak of the late 90s. And just comparing it, like, yeah, Secret Wars was a goofy story, and it was, you know, just, you know, it, I don't want to say a cash-in, but, you know, that was its purpose. Bring all the big heroes together, sell a bunch of comics, sell a bunch of action figures. But in that story, at least... The characters, like like we said back then, are what drove it forward. You had the cool Spider-Man storyline. You had the stuff going on with The Thing, Human Torch, the X-Men, Doctor Doom, you know, all, Molecule Man. All the individual characters in that comic had a story arc and a progression. Their background dressing in this comic for a story that has about as much depth as a cup of NyQuil. I mean, there's... It, uh, that's what the huge difference between the two of the, these, you know, old school epic series was for me. I yeah, I I had no use for it. I mean, I can keep going on with different reasons why I, I if you I want, really but think we've said enough. <laughs> I, yeah, that's I had no use for this at all. And again, it all comes down to a freaking glove, a fancy glove, a bejeweled glove, but it's a glove that you know. Once again, zombie gets its hands on it. No spoiler alert, people. Yeah, <laughs> the zombie gets it, and and at the, one point everybody gets it. I so mean, yeah, this, really, this thing just starts passing around like. It's, <laughs> And then the the very ending with Warlock as well, once he gets his hands on it, and then you have um, Strange and Surfer, and is it the Hulk? I think Thor. it's the Hulk. Oh, Thor, right. And they suddenly make like they're going to go after him. It, it went from cordial <laughs> talking to, boom, we're going to get you. 
Really, people? <laughs> Have you not been paying attention? The if the zombie could take out the freaking gods, what chance do you guys have against somebody who's got a little bit more intelligence? Ah, oh, dude. It was start to finish, there were so many holes, it was like Swiss cheese. And it's important that we do talk about this, because with Thanos obviously being a major character coming up in the Marvel movie universe, and he's making a big comeback into the actual Marvel comics right now, you better bet there's going to be lots of copies of Infinity Gauntlet on shelves around the world over the next year or two. So know what you're getting into. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> what's funny is that the bit with him at the end was the only bit that I actually thought, okay, that actually wasn't half bad. Not great, it was actually but nifty. not yeah. bad when he's sitting there and he's not the typical villain that wants to get his hands back on the gauntlet, but sitting there thinking, actually... Warlock is the one that got the short end of the stick in this deal, having to have that gauntlet. And I thought, wow, okay, way to go against type. That was actually not bad. Especially for a character who, up to that point, was as one-dimensional as Thanos was. Exactly. All right, so that's that. <laughs> for what we're reading, uh, it's, as I, I want to say coincidentally, but I actually have a modern version of the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, of course, with you know Thanos being a big deal, uh, we've had a lot of the cosmic characters showing up uh, in the Avengers Assemble comic, which I now have to start reading. Apparently, Thanos and the Guardians of the Galaxy have made a big appearance there as well. The Guardians of the Galaxy were in the uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes show uh, a few weeks back. So I've had a lot of people, because you know I'm the comic guy amongst you know, my friends, asking me, who the hell are these people? So I've been talking about it, and it's gotten me to want to read uh, a lot of the cosmic relaunch that Marvel did a few years back. So I started with Annihilation, which was their their, their big comeback event back in uh, 2006. Uh, a lot of these characters hadn't been seen over the course of the past 10 years. So when I read it at the time, it was like, okay, you know, trying to remember who some of these people were, who the heck's a Quasar, you know, stuff like that. He's a lot less terrible now than he was in Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> but I really have to appreciate how they handled Annihilation as an event, as especially in comparison to something like Avengers versus X-Men, which is literally everywhere. For Annihilation, they did a slow buildup. Uh, they did a couple miniseries over the course of a couple months, each focusing on one of the main characters. They did uh, Silver Surfer, Nova, uh, Ronan the Accuser, and Super Scroll four of the more well-known characters that were going to be starring in Annihilation. Did four-issue miniseries for each of them. And then once Annihilation came out, that was it. The entire story was told in that one miniseries. So they made it the event to read if you wanted to read these characters. And it's funny because this was going on at the exact same time as Civil War, which, again, was spread out everywhere. You had to read 90,000 issues to get the whole story. If you wanted to read the whole story of Annihilation, you read six issues. If you want to know a little more, there were some prequels. And what gave it a good sense of cohesion going back through my old paperbacks of it is every cover from the Annihilation prologue all the way through to the um, Heralds of Galactus epilogue, all of the covers were done by the same artist. And I thought that was a really nice touch to give, even though the internal artists had a lot of uh, different over the course of the comics, obviously, uh, with the, the various miniseries and the main, the covers were all done by the same artist, and it gave the series such a sense of cohesion that I really appreciate how they handled that from a publishing standpoint. Cool. 
And again, it was just a really cool story. I mean, Annihilus, who now we know from Fantastic Four, uh, invades the entire universe. He brings the entire negative zone in just a blitzkrieg. It destroys the scrolls, jacked up the Kree. It was a huge, epic event. And with it all happening in the pages of those six issues, it really hit well. See, you're much more into all of that, the galactic kind of uh, yes. line as I am, because I keep falling back on the same stupidity that they're, all of these gods look like humans. And and there's so many things that I kind of shake my head at and think, why? Why why fall back on something so cliche? And see, Thanos is in Annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> and he teams up with Annihilus, not because he wants to conquer the universe, not because this and that, because he's still kind of that introspective Thanos we see at the end of Infinity Gauntlet, where he just kind of wants to find out what will happen. <laughs> he's bored with the universe the way it is now, so he wouldn't mind seeing a power shift and just kind of seeing how things play out. So he had a cool role in this. Aside from that, uh, I, talk, I mentioned it last week with new releases. I read issue one of Extermination from uh, Boom Studios. And I don't want to say it was great. It was fantastic. It was well worth a dollar. It was a really fun issue. And uh, the concept of the series is, you know, aliens invade Earth. The heroes and the villains have to team up to, you know, save the planet. And this issue was essentially, what if Batman and Dr. Octopus teamed up? Because <laughs> those are the, kind of the archetypes for these characters. And the story played out going back and forth between them in the modern time fighting the aliens, as well as telling a flashback story of the two of them fighting each other back before the invasion. And just the way they played off each other, it was a very entertaining read. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to change the world, but I would recommend at least for a dollar, check out that first issue. Uh, I'm definitely going to be reading the second issue to see where it goes. Cool. And you got anything for us this week? Yes, I do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Okay, hold on. All right, so... (laughs) We, we're going to have to say it right from the get-go because the enthusiasm is going to be gone right from that point. We had a problem there with the recording, and so we're kind of going back to this point right now. We had gotten through the rest of the episode. It was kind of cute and funny at the end, too. You're never going to hear it. Um, so in terms of what I've been reading, just to go over the list quickly, because I don't feel like going through it again, um, Avengers vs. X-Men went and got caught up with all of that, and like I was saying... I'm disgusted that they can't maintain continuity in terms of who's fighting who in an event that that's what it's entirely based on. The whole thing is about who's fighting who and they can't even coordinate where Colossus is supposed to be at any given time or who he's supposed to be fighting. Um, From there, we've got... What else did I mention? Uh, I mentioned the, the Incredible Hulk, which like I said, Jason, I'm sorry, that's it. I give up now. I read Incredible Hulk number eight. I have officially given up. I've got no use anymore for this. I have tried over and over again to rekindle my interest based on the first couple of issues of this reboot, and I no longer can. It's it's terrible. The whole thing with the Punisher was a, a bad sidekick movie type of idea that just was not good. And so I really... And the art was so bad, it was... It, it, I can't, I'm sorry, but it was absolutely horrific i really i'm that's it you lost me i'm not even picking up number nine that's it done i read beyond watchmen number one and like we were saying too it's it's a recap of everything we already know and i personally didn't even think it was that well written it it, i mean it was fine but it wasn't a fantastic recap i i did not like it nothing to add (laughs) let's just get this done to happen to watch (laughs) yeah we 
We've already gone. We over already this covered. Once. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no sense beating a dead horse. <laughs> um, Earth two, issue two, as well as World's Finest issue two. I really was much more ambivalent towards them than I was the first issues, which is saying a lot because the first ones didn't really do all that much for me. But now it's like eh, I really was very much meh about them. I think I'll read Earth 2 number 3 to see how terrible Green Lantern's costume is. Because you know it's going to be bad. Yeah, based on what we've seen so far. Because, yeah. <laughs> again, that, that Flash costume was an atrocity. Yeah, terrible. Okay, and we're going to leave it at that. Okay, so moving into this week's new releases, which, as I said, is actually a really good list for this week. <laughs> we have Amazing Spider-Man number 687 from Marvel, uh, finishing off the Ends of the Earth storyline. Uh, Bringing the excitement down a bit, we have Avengers number 27 and AVX versus number 3. And we also have Captain America number 13, Fantastic Four number 607, which I'm told is one of the best Black Panther stories you will read in a long time. We have the premiere of Spider-Man number 1 from Bendis, teaming up Peter Parker with Miles Morales. Ultimate X-Men number 13, which is the first issue by new author Brian Wood, and you don't have my screw-up in there to edit in. <laughs> we have Uncanny X-Force number 26, X-Men. X-Men number 30, which, much like Ultimate X-Men, is by new writer Brian Wood. We have X-Men Legacy number 268 and the hardcover edition of Carnage USA, which I did quite enjoy. You know, unlike five minutes ago, you actually sound like you know what you're talking about. Hey, I, I do this enough times, I can do it right. From DC, we have Batman number 10, Before Watchmen Silk Spectre number 1, and Demon Knights number 10, as well as the collection of the trade paperbacks of Justice, which if you enjoyed Kingdom Come, you will probably really enjoy Justice. It's the same creative team doing another one of those crazy alternate future storylines. And rounding out the list, from Boom Studios, we have the final issue of Incorruptible with number 30. From Dark Horse, we have The Massive number 1, which is a new series series launching by Brian Wood, the writer of all those X-Men titles I just talked about. From IDW, we have Transformers Robots in Disguise number six. And from Image, we have Invincible number 92 and the one Roger was jumping up and down about. Dude, Zub, you're going to have to believe me when I tell you, okay? <laughs> I was rubbing my hands together, thoroughly excited when I said it too. It's Skull Kickers number 15, and I am still excited. I can, I can show it. Yeah, because number 14 was so freaking awesome. <laughs> Cannot wait to talk about this. Okay, well, you won't have to wait very long. Maybe we'll record it tomorrow just so you can get out of your system. <laughs> anyway, it's going to wrap us up here for this issue of Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. You can email us at either Vince or Roger at comicbookinformer.com. If you have opinions on Infinity Gauntlet that aren't from when you were a teenager like I was and thought it was the most great, awesome thing ever, we'd be interested in hearing what you have to say. But until then, we'll see everybody next week. You know what's funny is that, like, I have on my main screen, so it's big, I have GarageBand so that I can watch it and see what's going on. The one freaking episode that I put my browser <laughs> over top of it so that, and not over all of it, but just the part that has the red squiggly lines, the one is when it crashes, so I didn't see when it stopped. What have we learned? Where to put my windows. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'll tell you where you can put them. Yeah, I know. Trust me. I know. <laughs>